Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together and fellowship with one another and, and now study your word. And Father, we need insight. We need understanding into your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us right now. He would be the teacher and would illuminate our minds to your word. So bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're on the doctrine of rewards and we're going to continue this message. Second hour, um, I'm going to have a live Zoom with uh, some folks that are in Israel. I believe they're in Israel. Am I right? On, is it? They're in Israel. One is in Israel. So I'm going to be uh, Skyping, uh, Skyping, Zooming with someone in Israel and someone else is coming on board. And they're going to be telling us ways to help, how to help Israel, how to help the IDF. And we're going to listen to that, okay? And then after that, I, I Skyped earlier this morning. I keep saying Skype, Zoomed. I Zoomed earlier this morning with Uriel uh, uh, on the front lines. And the reason that last time, remember I, I had scheduled him to Zoom with me and us, he couldn't do it because he, he was on patrol. And he, and, and he had just got back from patrol and, and, and the timing didn't work. So he was actually patrolling. I caught him this morning. It was at 8 o'clock at night in Israel and he was just getting ready to go out patrolling. They have moved him from the Gaza, uh, sorry, from the north to the Gaza. So he's go in patrolling in the, the, the Gaza region. So it's a very dangerous area. So I'll play that tonight. I recorded that this morning. And you'll get to hear uh, what's going on on the front lines. So, uh, so anyway, a lot of, lots going on tonight, okay? Anyway, let's get to the doctrine of rewards as, as we're studying this. Um, first, uh, before the text I'm going to use, I'm going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight and explain this a little bit more in depth. And, and just at the outset before we start in, all believers are given the same opportunity for rewards, okay? So it's not like Christ is keeping it back from anyone, okay? So all believers have an opportunity to win basically an imperishable crown. And, and an imperishable crown is one of the five crowns that are given to believers, now, uh, we'll go through all five crowns uh, through this course, and we'll go through all the overcoming aspects, but uh, crown implies that you get to rule and reign with the Messiah during the Messianic age. And so anytime you see crown, it means rule and reign. Again, the church will rule and reign in general, uh, but do not mistake that for it meaning all believers of the church will rule and reign. The church does rule and reign, and that's where you get the 24 elders of Revelation 4 and 5 and uh, Revelation 20. The 24 elders are the church. There's no, there's no doubt about it when you, you look at all the signs of what it says. That they were redeemed from all the nations, and, and they're in a situation in which they are rewarded and they are ruling. Okay, so, but that doesn't mean that every, every Christian rules. It just means the church in general rules, and so there's particular Christians that have earned enough rewards in order to rule. In this particular crown, it is for the faithful disciplining of our lives. And just to put it out at the outset, what I, what I mean by that is that the individual Christian has figured out how to master the sin nature. 
okay? Notice the words I'm using, master the sin nature. I am not saying perfection, because you cannot achieve perfection because of the sin nature. Um, we, 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 our goal is to sin less, but as long as we're carrying the body of death, the sin nature, uh, you're gonna continue to sin to the point of uh, the rapture, to the point of death. It's just the way it is. So the goal in life is to sin less and to be more mature and, 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 um, and be sanctified progressively and at a greater amount and be set aside for holiness. So what happens to certain believers is they progress in their walk with the Lord to where they actually have mastered the sin nature. And what do I mean by that? It doesn't mean that they don't sin. It means that the, 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 the habitual things that, that actually were in their lives uh, that, that always pull them back into sin have been conquered. They have victory over the habitual patterns. Now, you can sin walking out here today or whatever, and it's not like it's a, a habit. It's not like it's been a pattern in your life. And that's different than what I'm talking about. Habitual patterns have to be broken, have to be conquered, have to have victory over it, whatever those habitual patterns are. And that's what this crown is geared towards. It's geared towards those who overcome the habitual patterns of their lives um, and, and mastering those areas. So whatever it might be, they might, it might, they might have an addiction to something, they might have a proclivity to something, they might have a weakness in an area, they might have whatever it might be, um, but something's in them that is, that is what they're battling. Well, this mature type of believer has won the battle in that area. It doesn't mean they, they don't stop guarding the area uh, and are not vigilant in watching out for this area because they know there's a weakness there. It's that they, they have figured out through the tools that God has provided how to master that area that it doesn't master them anymore, that they're not addicted to whatever it is or they don't have this uh, obsession with a particular vice in their life. And, 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 and the, the key to this is faithful discipline. Discipline, okay? That is the key to this, this particular crown. So let's go to the passage uh, that it talks about. And, oh, there we go. There it is. I'm having a delay here. Here we go. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? And then the admonition is run in such a way that you may obtain it. So um, the Paul, uh, Paul is given an athletic pitcher, and the pitcher is not about salvation. The pitcher is about rewards, and the pitcher is about running a race. And what Paul has in mind in the race if I can get to the next slide for some reason, I'm delayed, um, is the Isthmian Athletic Games. So right next to Corinth, was, uh, they would have this about every two years in, in sometimes early May. And this was right next to Corinth, and they have the Isthmian Athletic Games. And it was like the Olympic, Olympics uh, that were in Athens, uh, but they kind of had, a, it was a mini Olympics and let me show you on a map where, how close it was. You can see Corinth on a map there, and, and then you can see Isthmia right, right down the, where the, the canal is today. 
Um, that's how close Ithmael and their games were. And so when Paul's in Corinth, and he, or he's writing this letter to Corinth, he's reminding them of those games that were held every two years there. And what, what would happen at those games, whether it was boxing, they would have running, all, all kinds of, this is kind of where we got the Olympics idea. Um, they would give uh, these, these reefs out to people who won. On the, on the right-hand side is the kind of wreath that they gave out in, in the Olympiad games in Greece. And it typically was, uh, I think, a laurel wreath or sometimes an olive, olive wreath. Um, the Ithmia games was given uh, sometimes a pine, uh, like a pine needle type of wreath, or sometimes it was uh, uh, withered, um, not broccoli, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> What's the, I'm going blank on the vegetable. Not cauliflower, no, 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 no. Not asparagus. It's green and, it, and you put peanut butter on it sometimes. Celery, thank you. Celery, all right. You got it, I went blank on celery. There you go. You knew once I said peanut butter, that's, that's the key right there. Okay, so they would either use pine needles, or believe it or not, they would use celery for the wreath. And, and, and so the Isthmus games would put that wreath upon their head, and then have uh, the tail. You can see the tail on the back end of what the wreath, and that would um, be a symbol of victory. And this is where, we, where Paul got the concept of a Stephanos, a, a victor's crown. And that's what is given to us. We're not given the, the, the diadem. Christ wears the diadem because he's the ruler. Uh, we wear Stephanases, which, which is a, a victor's wreath. And that's what you're looking at right here. This is what Paul is referring to when he uses the word Stephanus in Greek. He's referring to these victory wreaths that you see from the Olympiad Games or the uh, Ithmia Games. Okay, so what's going on with this thing? Okay, so let, let's, let's look at this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So he's using that as an analogy, that all run. So the picture is we're all running in this race, okay? It's not for salvation, but for rewards. So he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. <coughs> the idea of him saying run in such a way that you may obtain it is you have to compete according to the rules. So if you ran in, in the games... There was rules that you had to follow, and there was judges that, that watched the participants in the race, and whether or not they, they cheated or not, or, or were disqualified, they didn't do exactly what they were supposed to do, and didn't compete by the rules. So he's using this as an analogy with us before Christ. So he says, and everyone who competes, and this is interesting, the word competes in, in the Greek, you can see the word in there of agony, Right? Do you see that? And it's agonozomai, okay, in Greek. And you can see where we get the word agony in that. And agonozomai means to fight, to struggle, to strive, to, to get in shape, that you actually have to do something in order to get this. And so he's, he's using an athletic picture of training, 
and that the, when you're training, you're, you're agonizing in the training. You have to endure and you have to fight. You have to struggle as you're practicing. And what they would do is um, they would practice for 10 months prior to these games. And so Paul is using that. So he's saying, look, if you're gonna get this crown that you want and, and it is available to everybody, it's gonna cost you something. You're going to have to agonizomai, where you get the word agony, you have to compete with it for this. And, and that means that you, you better do something in your spiritual life about it. It's not an automatic. And so whatever you have to do is going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle, and you have to get in shape for it. Okay? He's not revealed what you have to fight against yet. Okay? But he's telling you, you better prepare yourself for this kind of fight. Okay, and it's for the prize, and, uh, and, and, and for the prize is temperate in all things. So those who compete for the prize, they are temperate. And again, it, it's a Greek word, uh, eg, if I can pronounce it right, eg, uh, which means self-controlled or a discipline due to strict training. So the person that competes for this is a, like a well-trained athlete. They, 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 they practice, they discipline themselves, they watch what they eat, so to speak, they train, they make sure they get their reps in, they do everything about this. And so again, it's more of an athletic, but it's the idea of, of their life is in strict training for this, okay? In all things, by the way, it's not just a category of things, it permeates all through their life, okay? So... Um, this person's on a different level. There's, there's people that have category victory in certain areas of their life, and then there's other victories that they don't, uh, areas that they don't have victory at all. But this person is in all things. This kind of Christian is in all things. In all categories, they have, they have figured out how to do this, okay? Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. He's talking about the people that, that, that go into the Olympics and whatnot, he goes, but we for an imperishable crown. And that's what the Stephanus means. So the imperishable crown is particularly for this thing that they must do. Okay, this imperishable crown. It's a mastery over the sin nature. Again, he hasn't told you how to do it. He has just said this is what it's for. So it's called the imperishable crown. Okay, so a couple things before we move forward. Sorry, this thing's not working for some reason. Couple things. As I mentioned, all believers have the same opportunity to win this imperishable crown. It's given to all, it's possible for, that all believers can get this. The second thing is you're not competing against each other. So I know like in the race, only one gets the prize. But everybody who competes for this can get it. So, so we're, you know, we're not competing against each other. You can get this crown. Everybody in this room can get this crown. All believers then, number three, are given the same deposit. And the, the deposit is the word of God. So the reward is based on the faithfulness and achievement with it. That's the key, okay? Let me show you the deposit in, in another parable. This is the parable of the meanness. And the parable of the meanness is different than the parable of the talents, and so you have to distinguish between the two. A lot of people conflate them together and they think the parable of the talents, the parable of the meanness are the same thing. It's not. 
The parable of the talents is in the Olivet Discourse, and it's, it's a, a message to the disciples, and it has to do with their abilities and their opportunities that they have been given. The parable of the Minas is in Luke 19. And in Luke 19, he's addressing not only the disciples, but it's to the entire crowd that's listening to him. So it's out to all believers, okay? And, and it, it, it has a different emphasis, okay? So let's read it. Now, as, he, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he's going to correct this. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So the nobleman obviously is the Messiah. Um, in the far country, he came to earth from heaven to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. Okay, And, and again, so it's a whole messianic picture. It's a, it's a kingdom picture of everything. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas. Minas is, a, a, one mina would be like three months of pay. Um, and said to him, do business until I come. And this is where we get the term, uh, well, what are we supposed to do while we're still waiting for the Messiah? And you'll hear the, the, the people talk about, well, we're supposed to occupy until he returns. Well, it's this, it's this word right here, this phrase, is do business till I come. So what are we supposed to do until the rapture happens? Well, you're supposed to do business until he comes. But do business doing what? Well, the, the rest of the passage will explain to you. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so the parable is a far-reaching parable which extends from the first coming to, uh, to the settling of the scores with the servants. So basically the Bema seat. And so in this passage, as you can see, the citizens hated him. This is the religious leaders who rejected the Messiah in the first coming. And basically, he is telling you their intent. They knew who he was, but they said, we will not have this man reign over us. And that really is him telling you what they knew. They knew who he was, but they didn't want the Messiah reign, ruling and reigning with him. So it's a sin against knowledge. It's a sin a sin against the, uh, they knew exactly what was happening. So it's not a sin of ignorance because the parable is explaining that. Okay, so, and so it was when he returned, again, so now a long span of time has happened, okay? Having received the kingdom, so, so now he has returned and, and, and now he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that they might know how much every man had gained by trading. And so, so now he's come to settle accounts with his servants, okay? Then, they came to the, then, he, then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a, very, in, in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. So this is where we get the, uh, the, the real concept of ruling and reigning when he's actually making the statement, you're going to rule over 10 cities. That's what ruling and reigning refers to, is that you accompany the Messiah as a kind of a, a vice regent for him over territories over the Messianic age, and you rule and reign with him. So... So there's where we get the concept from. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five. 
Minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Notice, notice the difference between the two. When he says, I have earned, I have doubled the minas, I've earned you 10 minas, look what the master says, well done, good servant, because you were faithful, have authority over 10. But look at the second, he has diminishing returns. He only has earned five. And what does the master say? You'll also be over five cities. But do you notice that there's something missing in the text with the guy? What's missing? Yeah, he's not saying well done. Okay? So it's, what you're seeing is diminishing returns. So he's going to rule over five cities, but he's not given the phrase, well done, good, faithful servant, as in the first one. Because you, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little. He's not given that. But yet he does rule over five. So you're, you're watching something happen here in the text. Then another came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I kept uh, put away in a handkerchief. Okay? For I feared you because you were an austere man or, or harsh man. And why is he harsh? What do you mean by he's harsh? Well, you collect what you do not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And the accusation against the, against the master is, well, you, you, you demand results, but you don't provide enough to be able to produce the results. So you want me to produce results, but you don't provide enough. And so I know how, what kind of man you are, and you're, you're very harsh, and therefore I didn't even chance uh, you know, trying to do business with your meanness because you're going to judge me, and I don't want to be judged by you, and plus you don't provide, so I don't want to be hung out here, so here is your mina in return. Um, and he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. Now, now, now again, we're not saying that this guy's a non-believer because he's given minas to all his servants, okay? He doesn't give minas to non-servants, He's given meanness to servants. So he's calling this last servant wicked. Okay? So he's calling this believer wicked. That's what you have to understand. This is not a contrast between a believer and an unbeliever. This is a contrast between someone has earned rewards, a believer has earned rewards, and a believer has not. And the believer who has not earned rewards is called wicked. Why are they called wicked? Not, they're not inherently wicked. It's because of their accusation against their master. First of all, number one, the, one of the main reasons he didn't do business because he didn't think the master was coming back. That's, that's not being prophetically prepared, not watching, not waiting for the return of the Messiah. That is a lukewarm Laodicean that doesn't think the Lord could come back in their lifetime. And therefore, they're not ready, ever. So that sets in motion their attitude, okay? So once their attitude is established... They, they don't want to risk anything in their life, okay? And, and, and in their life, uh, w living by faith is a risk because they think if they step out and try to do something, that he won't provide for them. That's their mindset, okay? So really, they don't do anything. They go to church, they go to Bible study, but they never risk their life in doing what the Lord wants them to do with a deposit that they have and that every believer has. Okay, so 
it keeps them back and they're afraid of, of, of being judged. So there's a lot of people that say, well, if I step out and I do something wrong, God's gonna be mad at me uh, or whatever. And so it, it's, it's, he doesn't provide and he's gonna be so strict, he's gonna pound me into the ground if I do something wrong. And I can tell you, I, I've seen these attitudes in, in, in all these years of ministry. I've seen people who refuse to step out in faith. I've seen people that, that are so terrified that they're gonna do something wrong that they don't risk doing anything because they're afraid that, that well, you know, it says that you know, not many should teach, so I'm gonna get pounded. So they never actually step out and do anything. And they become useless in that sense. And because of their wrong attitudes that he doesn't provide, because of their wrong attitudes, because they think Jesus is going to be harsh with them, they never do anything. And there, it, there is the wicked servant. The wickedness is because you're lazy. The wickedness is because you, you make accusations or you have the wrong theological thoughts about the Messiah. And therefore, you have not done anything. So, you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. So Jesus takes them on his false allegation and says, why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Now the idea of putting the money in the bank is this. Well, one of the things you could have done is invest your minas, invest the, 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 the money I have given you with the bankers, because at least with those guys, they would have made interest for me. And what is he really, in effect, saying? Well, if you didn't want to do anything, then why didn't you invest your resources in people that actually do do things for me? Why didn't you invest in people actually ministering, people on the mission field? Why didn't you invest in them? But what I see from you is not only did you not invest your resources, you didn't invest in anyone's resources. You didn't want to help anyone else that was actually doing the work. And if you could have, you would have got some reward by giving to those who actually are doing something. But you didn't, you didn't even do that. That's how useless you are. So, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, Master, he has 10 minas. So, how, so they're, they're trying to figure out, well, wait a second. You're taking what from him and giving it to the guy who has 10 minas. Yeah? And this is what he says. For I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so he's like, well, here's the thing. If he wasn't willing to do anything... Even what he has, I'm going to take what I could reward him with and reward the guy with the 10 minutes. I will actually give that guy's reward to someone else. That's how it's going to work. And that's the economy. And so um, the graciousness of God is that if you earn these rewards, you could actually get more rewards on top of it with so-called interest, so to speak. He's using banking terms. And, 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 and that person will, will then be given more opportunities even in their lifetimes why the one servant doesn't take the opportunities then someone else will. And that person actually gets that person's uh, reward that was supposed to go to them, it actually goes to the person who takes the opportunity. It's just like what Mordecai told Esther. If you don't stand up and do something, Esther, then God will raise someone else who will. 
Well, that one person that gets raised up actually will take the reward that was supposed to go to this guy because they won't do it. And that guy who says, I'll do it, says, fine, then I'll give you his reward if you do do it. So there's gonna be a lot of people, unfortunately, that their, their, their reward that was meant to go to them will actually be transferred to other people who took their opportunities. I can just tell you this, before I started Rock Harbor, the messaging from the Lord, and again, it wasn't like a shaft of light in the, in the room or an audible voice, but the impression on, on me was this. If you don't start this new work, I will give it to someone else who will. And that's what I wrestled with the Lord for about two years. And realizing that I was coming to the end of the line with him and saying, you're going to do this or not? Because if you're not, I'll, I can find someone else to do this. But do you want it? And so I, I, I then submitted to that at that point. But that was after two years. And I was running the risk of losing the opportunity and him giving my rewards to someone else. Because someone else would have taken the opportunity. So that was the impression on me if I didn't start Rock Harbor. Because he wanted it to happen. And, he, you know, God, God's not dependent on any of us, obviously. And he can raise up anyone. Like Jesus said, I can, I can raise up rocks to, to cry Hosanna if I want to. I don't need humans. I can make the rocks do it. So this is what the mean is trying to say. And, and that's a, of a very important thing for all of us to understand. If you don't take the opportunities in front of you that he's offering, he will give it to someone else and that person gets your reward. That's how it works. So anyway, he, the last part he says, but bring those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them. So he, he comes back to that issue, and really verse 27 is all about 70 AD uh, and the punishment on Israel um, and the scattering of them that he incorporates in the parable. Okay, well that being the case then, you, what? Oh, there we go, go, go ahead Frank, yeah. Hey Pastor Brandon, we have a, a question from our online on YouTube from Yuri Gajin. He says, uh, since rewards, the doctrine of rewards is new for him, is receiving a crown the right motivation to do things for the Lord? Yes, because, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's the right motivation because that's why Paul lays it out in front of us and saying, we need to compete for this. We need to strive for this. We need to fight for this because it's important. And why is it important? Because it's the currency of heaven. The currency of heaven is these rewards. This is how your status is in heaven. This is your authority. This is your placement in heaven. Um, this has nothing to do with salvation. So the, the crowns is a proper motivation. There's no doubt about it. And, and he's saying to us right now, you, you're, you're going to want this. You want this imperishable crown. So anyway, that being the case then, all believers are given the same deposit. And the, the, the parable of the minas is about the deposit. All the servants got 10 minas. Did you notice that? Okay. That means everybody got the same amount. What is that same amount? The minas represent the word of God. That's what it represents. You have been given a deposit. The deposit is the word of God and the gospel, obviously. And that deposit is to every believer. So we're all in the same level playing field with the word of God. Here it is. There's your deposit right here. So now the clue is, how do you use this? 
for the imperishable crown. Some will be more faithful in using this in order to get this imperishable crown, okay? So this is the deposit, so everybody has access to it. Everybody has the, the tool in their hand, so to speak, okay? Keep following me. Then he goes in, and, and, and so uh, we, basically number four, we are to run the race marked out before us. So there's there, this race, again, so a whole race theme. And now you have it in Hebrews 12, let us run with endurance. Uh, hyponome means constancy, preserve, uh, pres, uh, uh, perseverance, not uh, swerved from our purpose and loyalty to the Lord despite trials and sufferings, okay? That's, so we're supposed to run this race that is set before us. So you, everybody in here has a race set before them. It's their personal race. And at, and at the end of the line is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, okay? So he's our example of how to run a race, okay? So, but, but each person, the point is, the race set before you. What are you supposed to do with your Christian life is the idea there, okay? So now we have a race marked out before us, and then the, the number six, what you have, is we have our good works that are already pre-planned so that we are responsible to fulfill them. And let me show you that passage. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, okay? So it's your choice, but God has your race set out for you, your whole life, and what he wants you to accomplish, okay? And it's your choice of whether you're gonna run that race, whether you complete it, whether you finish it, like Paul said, I finished the race, right? And whether you compete according to the rules, okay? So you have to compete according to the rules and, 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 and again, it's all mapped out in front of you. It's yours. It's only yours, but you can forfeit it. It's, to, it's up to you. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. So basically, he says, I, he knows where he's going. I, I, it's marked out in front of me. I know where I'm going in my life. Thus, I fight. So he uses a boxing imagery, not as one who beats the air. He knows his target. He knows where to punch. So he's not just beating into the air as he fights. He knows what his enemy is. He knows what he has to do, his opponent, and he knows where to land the punch. And again, what's the whole point? He knows the race and the, and the target. He knows where he's going. He knows where it ends. He knows what he's supposed to do. How does he know what he's supposed to do? Well, he continues on. And here's the answer. This is the answer of how to get an imperishable crown. This is an answer, uh, the answer of how to endure. This is the answer to enduring and, and persevering. This is the answer of mastering the sin nature. This is the answer if you want to go to this next level to be able to get this crown. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I should myself should become disqualified. And disqualified, adokimos, means not approved, not standing the test, unfit for reward, that which does not prove itself as it ought. So it's not talking about salvation. It's not talking about acceptance. It's talking about approval. Okay. 
So what, what is the answer then? I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. What he is saying is, look, what I have figured out in to be able to master the sin nature is I must discipline my body, discipline the sin nature, discipline my actions as an athlete would their own body. And as an athlete watches what they eat, they go to the gym, they work out, and they're consistent, I have learned to do that in my spiritual life. Lest, if I don't do this, if I don't discipline my spiritual life, I'm gonna be disqualified for this prize, for this crown. And so what do you mean disqualified? Well, if you do not master the sin nature, you will not get this crown. You have to master the sin nature. Okay, so how do you do it? Well, remember, you have the deposit. Here's the deposit. Everybody has the deposit. You are to discipline your spiritual life by this. Just like an athlete disciplines himself, you are to discipline yourself by this. It has all the answers to everything you're struggling with. Everything. There is nothing it doesn't contain that you're struggling with and you say, well, that's not in there. It is in here. It all is in here of how to deal with what you're struggling with. And it tells you how to master it. It tells you how to yield. It tells you the tools that are available to you in order to do this. And it's up to you whether or not you use the tool. Some people don't know how to use the tool because they go to places that don't teach them how to, nor do they learn on their own. So they, they, they have the tool, but they don't know how to use it. They read it, and they don't know how to use it, and they're hearers only, and they're not doers of the word because they, they don't know how to use the tool, or maybe they don't want to use the tool. Maybe they don't want to change. But at the end of the day, the tool is how you master the sin nature. Now, again, it's not, it's not gonna give you perfection because Romans chapter seven, Paul will say that those things I wanna do, I don't, and the things I, I wanna do, I do, or don't wanna do, I do. And so he's talking about his struggle in the sin nature. But he is not talking about some type of habit that he can't overcome. He is talking about the constant struggle of the sin nature. So, when you break it down then, it's really no secret. It's pretty simple. You do it, and that's it. You either do it or you don't. And, 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 it, and I'm not saying it's an overnight thing, and I'm not saying it's not gonna be a process. I'm not saying it might take years to master the sin nature. I'm not saying that at all. But at some point, you just gotta buckle down and say, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to stop these areas that keep making me fall. I'm going to get victory in these areas that keep just pulling me back down. Uh, I'm going to eventually have some mastery over it. So at the end of the day, it's all up to you. And the question then is, do you want that crown? Do you want the imperishable crown? It's a particular crown, not everybody gets it. But if you're going to do it, discipline in the spiritual discipline world is the key. And if you will not do the discipline necessary, you will never master the sin nature. It will master you your whole life. 
Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.